Tales of Panem, a Hunger Games podcast. My name is Claire, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm glad to have you all joining me this week. Make sure to check out my social media, which is at Tales of Panem on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok for updates, episode information, and more. This week's episode will cover chapters five through nine of the Hunger Games. So as usual, I'm going to start off with a brief recap of the chapters. So to start off, we are introduced to Katniss's prep team, most notably Cinna, her stylist, who she instantly likes and connects with. Him and Peta's stylist Portia style Katniss and Peta in beautiful outfits, complete with realistic-looking flames, making them the standouts of the tribute parade. After that, the tributes are living in the tribute center for the remainder of the time for the games. They then begin their training, where they are allowed to learn and practice various fighting and survival skills before going into the arena. Hamish tells Katniss and Peta to stick together and present themselves as friends, so they do that as well. After the three days of training, each tribute gets a private session to present their skills to the game makers. During her session, Katniss becomes frustrated that they aren't paying attention to her and shoots an arrow in the direction of the game makers. She is worried that they will decide to arrest or kill her or worse, kill her family, but they were actually very impressed by her and give her an 11 out of 12 score on her abilities, which is the highest of all the tributes. Finally, we have the interview prep and tribute interviews, and it's at this point that Peta asks to be trained separately. Hamish and Effie prepare Katniss for her interview, and Cinna gives her a beautiful dress to wear. Her outfit, along with her interview, went over the people of the Capitol. The chapter ends with Peta's interview, during which he reveals to the Capitol, and by extension all of Panem, that he has had a crush on Katniss since they were kids. So on that note, I do want to talk a little bit about Katniss and Peta, because obviously their relationship is a focal point of all three novels, um, but we're still kind of in the early stages of it where they don't really know how to act around each other and Katniss doesn't even know if she can trust him and is sort of leaning towards not trusting him specifically after what he does at the end of this section. Um, But I do wanna talk about this strategy that they've been given of presenting themselves as friends throughout the training because it's something that Katniss like never really understands the point of because in her mind it's like well we're going to be trying to kill each other in just a couple days why would we want to pretend that we're friends when like obviously it's never going to last and like what good does it do us but Hamish and Cinna are both like really insistent on this strategy and it's definitely like none of the other districts are doing this like she even like notes that when they go to their first day of training they're the only two tributes that are dressed identically when no one else is doing that And even like the career tributes who are going to ally with each other, um, at least in the early stage of the game, are not necessarily presenting themselves in this way. Like they eat meals together, you know, and they definitely like stick together as a sign of like superiority. But for Katniss and Peeta, Hamish and Sina want them to present it more as like, no, they actually are friends and they get along. And there's some level of like trust and understanding there, which is something that like, is going to get expanded on as they actually go into the arena. Um, But it's just interesting to note how Katniss is like really adamant that she does not want to do this. And again, like it's this lack of trust. And I talked about this a lot last week Um, and something that'll keep coming up because it's obviously a big like pillar of her character is her inability to trust people, especially in this setting where like literally everything is a game and like, there's sort of this feeling through everything that she's doing. And then like through her view, kind of everyone else is like playing this game too. Like even PETA who, you know, it's not really clear at this point yet, whether he's actually doing some of this stuff out of like genuine care and concern and because he's just a nice person or 
if he's all, if it's all just part of this game that they're playing, because like a big theme throughout the series is that like the game doesn't necessarily start or end when you enter the arena and it kind of like becomes your life as soon as you're reaped, even if you survive and make it through, like you're still stuck in that game. And we see it with Hamish, like this is still his entire life. You know, it's been 24 years since he won his games and he still has to play this like game that the Capitals got everyone caught up in. And that's sort of like the it's what the Capitals going for. Like, yeah, they want to instill fear by being like, well, we can just kill off 20 of 23 of your children every single year. And then also for like some of the districts that are wealthier and more bought into what the capital is giving them, they're like, oh, and also it's a symbol of honor if a tribute from our district wins these games. But like also outside of that, it gets everyone in the entire country to play this like larger game that kind of goes outside of that. And it's what allows the capital to control everyone and everything. And it's what prevents rebellion for so long, Um, which is another thing that kind of goes off of that is sort of this, like the lure and the appeal of the capital. And we even see like Katniss, who's obviously extremely anti-capital because she comes from district 12, which is like the poorest district, the worst off, and like the, their people are constantly dying. They never have enough to eat. And as soon as she shows up at the Capitol, she's like living in luxury. She has more food than she even knows what to do with. You know, people are like treating her like she's special for the first time in her life because she's always just been treated like she's just another girl from District 12. And she sort of like she never like buys into it, you know, because she's smarter than that. And like it's all just like literally like getting her ready to be killed. But there are definitely moments like when they're in the tribute parade and everyone's like cheering for them. And even like a little bit during her interview where she's kind of like, it's it's exhilarating to be able to live that way. And like the fact that that can have that effect on someone who knows they're only there to die for the entertainment of these people just goes to show you like what kind of effect would that have on someone who lives like that every single day? And there's even, there's a line later on in Mockingjay which like not to skip two books ahead, but it's like a little line that applies where they're like eating capital food and Gail says something along the lines of like, if I ate like this, I would believe anything. And it's true. Like if you never have to worry about having enough to eat, you never have to worry about like not having somewhere to live, you know? And like you live in these incredible conditions where like she talks about how her showers have like hundreds of features and buttons and you can like open up a closet and have like a million different outfits and like food can appear at the touch of a button, like stuff like that. For these people who live like that every single day, they're going to buy into whatever they're being told by the people who allow them to live like that. So if you're like, oh, here's all these great things and all this money and, and luxury and food and everything that you could possibly want, when you pile on things like the Hunger Games, which to us as readers it's like oh my god how can this entire group of people just be like getting enjoyment out of watching children kill each other like it's like unfathomable but to those people who are being you know fed and housed and given all these things that like the rest of district or the rest of penem could never even like begin to imagine it doesn't seem like that big of a leap for them and they would be willing to buy into anything if it means they don't have to change their way of living. And that doesn't make it like right or okay, but that's how the capital does it. And that's like why they have 
maintain power so long it's through this combination of like instilling fear in the districts especially like the higher number districts while simultaneously pampering and sort of like giving the lower number districts like one and two but also just the people of capital this sense of like oh we're better than everyone so it doesn't really matter anyway because we live a better life and they don't and the biggest example of this obviously that like we can see is Effie because she constantly makes comments about like oh but like look at you guys like you survive like you survive the like horrible like manners and whatever people of district 12 and like you rose above that and it's very much a like superiority thing of like oh the people of district 12 like don't know how to act whatever like all they're all like their clothes are dirty they don't have nice clothes they don't have good food like whatever they're not even to the same standard as us and so really it is like people like Effie people in the capital who've always lived that way just at this point like assume that they're better than the people who don't live like that and like the fact that Effie makes like little passing comments about it being like oh yeah like those people in District 12 like they can't even compare to us as if it's nothing but like for Katniss who grew up there and knows that it's not the choice of those people to live like that it's because they literally can't live any other way and like still survive and have enough to eat and have clothes and have a roof over their heads it like those kind of comments just continue this cycle of like capital's better than everyone so it doesn't matter that we're killing people from the districts and like we're from the districts so yeah we're gonna get killed off by the capital that's just how things are and it like keeps going around and that's why this system has held up for the past 74 years continuing along that line of like the capital's treatment of the districts this is something that and again i said this last week that i'm not going to do a ton of like comparing books to movies you know but there are definitely some things that i think are worth noting and one of which is that like and this is just kind of like a consequence of like adapting a series like this into movies like it's never going to completely capture the like nuance and the true like horror that the books are able to because you know we have like time constraints and then like you're appealing to a wider audience there's only so much that you like that people who make these movies were willing to put on screen and to like say on screen and it's something that I have like strong feelings about because like why do we have to like water it down and make it like less horrible when you know that's like the reality of this series and that's like the message but it's just like what happened when they adapted them but one thing that I do want to talk about that like doesn't it it gets like vaguely addressed in the movies like later on but not really whereas in the books is something they like actually discuss and like get into is the like sexualization of the children specifically the tributes by the capital and it's something that is obviously so messed up but it's become so normalized where like in Katniss's mind when she like because obviously this coming from her perspective everything we learn about Panem is through her or through like dialogue of people around her and so a lot of it is her like reminiscing on things that like have happened in the past or things she's seen on tv whatever and so like to see it become so normalized of like when she's like oh yeah like one year the tributes from district 12 like were completely naked during the tribute parade or like during one other stripping moment is like when Glimmer is doing her tribute interview and Katniss is like, yeah, obviously they're going to take the approach of like, she's sexy and that's like how she's going to get sponsors. And it's like, she doesn't even question it. And it's not 
like it's just because she has literally grown up watching these things it's become completely normalized in her mind into the entire country that like these tributes most of whom are like 12 to 16 years old to like sexualize them for the enjoyment of the people of the capital during like their interviews and using that as a means to get them sponsors is obviously like so messed up and it, it definitely like comes up a lot more in Mockingjay um which like if you read it you know mostly what I'm referring to regarding like Finnick and Joanna um and yeah once again like we'll definitely talk about that a lot because it's something that that at least like gets brought up in the movies but like it's something that kind of they like push aside a little bit and don't talk about as much as they did in the books which I think is definitely like it's something very crucial to the story and to like the understanding of what the capital actually is and how bad they actually are because it's not like when you watch the movies you're like oh the capital isn't even that bad like they're still horrible you can still tell but there are definitely a lot of things that they did that kind of didn't make it to the movies or like kind of get glossed over and so that's why I really like I have obviously have nothing against people who like just want to watch the movies and like they can be a lot more accessible for people they're quicker obviously but this is definitely why I advocate for reading the books as well, because there's just a lot of things that you don't get from the films. And they're really important to read about, to understand the capital and to like have conversation about, because obviously like the things in these books, like while fictional are very much meant to be a reflection of real life and our society and specifically like the United States, because that's the setting that we are placed in just years and years and years in the future. And so things like that are meant to spark conversation and like create reflection within the people who are reading these books of being like, oh yeah, that's super messed up, but why write something like that? And what does it mean? And what should I as a reader be taking away from it? Changing the subject a little bit. Um, this is just a small thing I want to mention because it kind of relates more to like future books. But as I'm rereading, like there are so many lines in this book and like moments in this book that are like either directly or indirectly paralleled mostly in Mockingjay like and especially with Katniss and Peeta and again like we will get there I will not shut up about it once we're on that book but it's just a thing to point out because if this is anyone's first time reading the books you know like there are these little lines that you may not notice but then when you come back to them or when you hear them again in a completely different context, you're going to be like, oh, OK, I'm starting to like see these connections. And so I think it's just something worth pointing out, like as you're reading the earlier books or if you've read them before and now you're like noticing things like this or just like things you haven't noticed before. Like, I think it's always worth pointing these things out because they're obviously very intentionally done and they give us like a better sense of where characters are at when we have things that are said in completely different contexts or that are like called back to. So, you know, just something to pay attention to. Something that I love about this series is how everything kind of like circles back around to where we started, even though things are in a completely different space when we end. So, you know, just thought I would bring that up. Just something to keep in mind, especially if you, if this is your first time writing, um, when you get to some of the later books. Another thing I want to talk about, which I definitely talked about last week, it was kind of like a big theme that I touched on, but it actually gets directly brought up in this section, which I love so much, is this idea of like Katniss as a fighter. And it's specifically brought up in her like interview prep with 
Sina, where he mentions that she has spirit and that's what people are drawn to about her. And then she internalizes it basically like, I do have spirit and I'm a fighter. But then this also kind of moves from like a fighter in the literal sense of like where she can shoot and she's like decent with knives, stuff like that. And she could like kill, she can kill animals and she could kill a person if she really had to. But also like on a more internal level, she's a fighter because one, she has literally had to fight to survive her entire life. But like since the age of 11, she has been providing for her mother and her sister. And like she had to go out into the woods on her own and like learn how to fight for herself, you know, learn how to like take the things her father taught her and turn that into like a means of survival for her family. But then also like she's been fighting since she got to the capital, even in ways that she doesn't realize, like she kind of comes back to her promise to Prim to like try to win and is sometimes like, oh, I'm failing. Like I'm not trying hard enough. Like after her session with the game maker, she's like, oh, that could have just blown all my chances, whatever. But she is fighting to win from the very beginning. Like even when she disagrees with Hamish and Sinna's advice, she still takes it. And like, she really does want to win. And it's mostly for Prim so that she can go back to her and she can like uphold this promise to her. And then she's just a fighter in the sense that like, you know, she's not gonna give up or back down from things that she believes in, which obviously like is very key to this series and what it's about and like the messages it's trying to send to the reader. So I think that that's a very valuable trait to have in your main protagonist, especially in a story that's like about rebellion and about like the treatment of people who are deemed as like lesser because they don't have as much. And then sort of going off from that, I love the way that this series explores rage through Katniss because, and this is like a larger discussion to be had about like how female characters are often And this is like a larger discussion to be had about like how female characters are often portrayed in media. Um, But a lot of times female characters like don't get to express their rage, you know, and like in reality, like women being told to like suppress their feelings, specifically anger, because it's viewed as like wrong for like a woman to get angry, you know, and like the consequences that that can have on a woman's life, like can't be overstated. Um, But I love that Suzanne Collins allowed Katniss to be a person who is angry and like she has every right to be you know she's had a horrible life and she has so many things to be angry about and you know there are definitely people that like are going to be more angry in nature than others but I like that as a protagonist you know Katniss she gets to be inspiring and like she's a very inspiring character and obviously that's why like so many people were drawn to this series as like preteens and young adults because it's like really empowering to see a character like that but also she gets to have her flaws and she gets to be angry and like she gets to express her rage which is something that is very very good for people to see reading this book and again it's something that's like lacking in a lot of media Like there's one scene in these chapters where she's so angry and she just starts like throwing dishes around her room. And like just that one moment where she gets to like let out her anger is something that like for me as a person reading this is really nice to see. And it's nice to be like, you know, like maybe throwing dishes around isn't the healthiest way to process your anger, but like it is a way to let out your anger. Um, 
because like there are many different ways to let out anger and this is not the only time we see Katniss in a situation like this. So it's nice to get to kind of explore like these ideas of like rage in women and in young women and girls that they might have been told to like push down their entire lives, but then now get to read about a character who is justifiably angry. And it says it right there on the page. And she actually like physically acts as though she is angry and does things like this as a way of like just kind of getting it all out and I think little things like that are so easy to look over in this series because there's truly so much going on and a lot of good things to unpack and that's kind of why I'm here is to like really dig into it and be like here are a lot of little things that I think are really meaningful that don't necessarily get talked about as much because they kind of get overshadowed by like these big picture issues and like even like the big idea of a character like obviously if you look at Katniss's character you can like see the anger there but she is a very three-dimensional well-rounded character so when you're talking about her as a character there's a lot of other traits that maybe you would talk about first and so you don't necessarily get to dig into like how she as a female character expresses rage and why that is so important and so it's things like that that like I really want to draw out and like keep bringing back up again like obviously we're still very early on in the series like this was literally just the end of part one of the first novel but like even in just this first part these like roots and baselines have been established to do a lot of great exploration going forward of these characters and their emotions and like their very real faults and flaws that have come from the ways in which they were raised and like the circumstances that they've had to pull themselves through and so I just think it's like things like that that are worth picking out and like really thinking about as you're reading and the nice thing about someone like me who has read these books several times and has watched the movie several times is that like you get to notice things like that that maybe you wouldn't have noticed on a first or second or even third read and there's always something new. Like I never have I read any of these books and not noticed at least one more thing that I could be like, wow, that's amazing. I can't believe that I never like thought of this before. And I think that's why it's been 10 years since my first introduction and I'm still able to be so engrossed in it because there's just a lot there. Now to shift gears from Katniss and talk a little bit about Peta's character. I think that like the kind of depth of Peta's character can get lost on some people which you know not everyone is like as deeply into the series as someone like I am so it's not necessarily of like oh you didn't understand or like you didn't get it it's just like for me as a person I've spent so much time thinking about it and like picking out these little details of his character that like I said like I'd never noticed before and I think that the biggest thing that always sticks out to me that we don't necessarily identify right off the bat about his character is like his intelligence but it's there right from the get-go. And it's mostly in like small passing comments. Like there are characters who have very obvious intelligence that we see through like literally everything they do, but it's definitely there with him too. You just have to notice it. And it like increases going forward. Like everything he does, I'm like, you're so smart. I never would have thought of that. And that's how he manages to like do the things he does and connect with people the way he does. And I think Katniss definitely recognizes it because that's a lot of where that distrust comes from is like, oh, he's very smart. He knows how to play this game. He knows how to like get people to root for him and to support him and to make people think that he has a chance of winning and therefore like get sponsor gifts. And he knows how to like capture the capital's attention. And that to her is very threatening 
because Peta has this like charisma that she doesn't really have. And and Hamish even like recognizes it when they're doing their interview prep. He immediately has a strategy with Peta and it's not hard work to draw that out of him because it's just like who he is and what he's capable of doing. Whereas Katniss is obviously like a greater struggle um, because she doesn't necessarily have that one thing that's going to like appeal to this audience in the way that Peta does. And she, like I said, sees that as a threat, especially because at this point he has said that he doesn't want to train with her anymore and doesn't really give a lot of explanation for that, specifically to her. Like she has to find out through Hamish. But it's also something that, like, I as a reader find very interesting about his character. And like it's it's like quick thinking stuff, like like the scene where Katniss recognizes the AVOX and everyone gets like really concerned and Peta immediately is like oh she looks like Deli Carrey like and and covers for her which one is like out of kindness and there's like a discussion to be had there of like how Katniss views it and being like oh did he do that to be nice or is it all just part of this like trick and he's tricking me and he's just trying to like one-up me and win and whatever or like was it genuinely him helping me and she can never really figure that one out and then you know later on it's like when he when they were they're having a conversation about that and he's like oh we should go up to the roof like there's a really nice view like it's kind of windy you know basically saying like they won't hear us if they're watching us up there little stuff like that that you recognize as like being smart but there's so many moments like that and then when you look at them all together you're like he is really smart and that's always like the thing that I point out about his character to people like whenever I have a discussion about him I'm like but like think about how smart he is and like did you ever notice like this this or this whatever um and then also to his character is like how passionate he is about like baking and he talks about the cake decorating and it's like genuine passion for those things. Like there's a whole moment where he's like telling Katniss about all the different types of bread that are in their bread baskets and how they like correspond to the different districts. And he's talking about how he would ice the cakes at the bakery, which he's obviously incredible at, but also like genuinely takes pleasure in doing. And it's nice to see like, these sort of passions come out in these characters and Katniss gets it too where she has like genuine passion for hunting like when she walks into her private session and she sees all the different bows and she's admiring like the craftsmanship you know and she really does love music even though she's kind of let it fade from her life after her father died it's like a way to hold on to him and she's still like really really enjoys it and like again that's something that really gets explored later and the way that music is used in this series is something that I love so much and I think like is a great way to kind of expand these characters but it's nice to have characters like Katniss and Peeta who are 16 year olds have like interests and passions because there's not a lot of space for that obviously when you're in a situation where you're about to go fight and maybe die and all you're doing is being prepared for that and prepared to like die for a spectacle and for like the suppression of the districts but these are things that a 16 year old would have and like but I like that there are these little moments where those things are allowed to jump out and we're allowed to get a little more insight into like who these people are when they're not just fighting for survival because that's a lot of and specifically in Katniss's case like that's a lot of what her life has been has been just trying to survive so sometimes we kind of lose like what is her personality outside of that? What are her interests outside of that? What does she like genuinely get joy from doing? 
And we also get that during this little like anecdote where she is talking about when she first met Gail and how their relationship evolved. And she acknowledges that like being in the woods with him is some of the only times that she like could genuinely feel happy. And it's a combination of like her friendship with Gail and the way that they understand each other and like get along and how he's been there for her. But also just that like being in the woods is a place that she one can feel closer to her father but also she genuinely enjoys hunting like it's kind of gone beyond like I just have to do this to survive to like oh I actually like enjoy shooting a bow and it's also just this like you know you enjoy things that you're good at like that's a very human thing like if you're really good at something you're gonna like it more than something you constantly struggle with so like for Peta, he's good at baking and he's good with like different types of bread and he's good with the icing and so he's going to be drawn to do those things more and find them enjoyable. Whereas Katniss, she's good at hunting and she's good with weaponry, specifically her bows and arrows. And she admires those things. And it's also something that she got from her father. Same thing with Peta. Like he gets his love of baking from his father because that's what he grew up doing. And it's something that like makes him feel closer to him, but is also something that he excels at. So he's going to take pride and enjoyment in it even in these like really dark moments where things are just getting worse and worse and worse constantly and he literally might be dead in a few days but at least he can find a bit of joy in talking about bread or painting his hand like he used to paint the cakes like it's just these really little moments where like you see that kind of passion for what they do jump out and then one last thing I really want to talk about once again, I said this last week, I'm going to talk about Hamish so much because he's my everything and specifically his relationship to Katniss as that evolves. But the thing I actually want to talk about here is Hamish's approach to preparing Katniss for the interview versus Cinna's approach and why Cinna is able to get through to her. And so basically what we see is like her and Hamish work together for hours. And he's trying all these different ways of like presenting her to the audience and hopefully winning her sponsors and nothing is working. He can't like find the right approach for her and eventually in the end he's like just you know just answer the questions and and try to be somewhat likable like I give up but then with Cinna he's like just be honest like the people will want honesty from you and you have spirit this is when he talks about her spirit um and he tells her to pretend she's talking to a friend and then is like just pretend that you're talking to me and so she goes into it basically being like, yeah, I'm just going to pretend I'm answering these questions to Cinna because he's someone that I trust despite not knowing him very long. But like, he's obviously proven himself to be very smart, very good at what he does. And he's also like been supportive of me in a way that no one else here really has, which is obviously a great moment for like Katniss and Cinna's relationship and like is really indicative of like the kind of person that he is and that he could earn her trust so easily when she is not a person who trusts easily. But it also says a lot about her relationship with Hamish because obviously one of the biggest things with their relationship in the series as a whole is that they are so similar to each other. And that is off the bat, it is why they like struggle to get along. But then in the end, it's why they actually have such a deep connection because they really, really do understand each other. And it's something that both of them come to realize gradually throughout the three books. But as a reader, we can see it right here because we don't know a ton about Hamish yet. We've got like the basics of his character, but one thing that we can kind of gather is that he's not doing very well mentally, hence the drinking um, and why he's really trying to bury those feelings. 
And so if you go on from that, you can think about like, how do you think he views himself? And this is something that like, we can kind of like guess at in the earlier chapters of this book, but it's something that becomes like very, very apparent going forward is that he does not think highly of himself at all, which again, like is someone who drinks just to like not have to feel these negative feelings that he's been feeling his whole life, going to have a high opinion of himself? Probably not. And obviously the drinking is indicative of a lot more that's going on that like gradually gets unpacked throughout the series. But just going from that, he sees a lot of his own flaws in Katniss. And like, that is what jumps out to him because he sees these things that he sees in himself and that he doesn't like about himself in her. And so when they're doing these interviews, he's like, you're hostile. You're like, you're not charming, you know, blah, 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 blah. No one is going to like you if you, if you say things like that, or if you like have this kind of attitude or if you're angry like that, because those are all things that are true about him. But it's this thing of like, if there's something you don't like about yourself and then you see it in someone else, you're going to be like, oh, I don't like this. This is not good. This makes me not want to be around this person. And in the case of like their personalities, they draw it out of each other. Like Santa says to her that she's only hostile when she's around Hamish because he's Hamish and like he brings that out of her. But like when she's around Cinna, she's not that way. And he really likes her and he thinks she's a great person. And so it's partially like just how different people view you. But I think from Hamish's perspective, it's how he views her because of how he views himself. And they have yet to realize like how similar they are. And so this is mostly like subconscious on his part. Like he probably doesn't realize that that's the reason why he finds it so difficult to like draw anything good out of her. And she takes it very personally because it is, but it's also sort of not about her. But how could she possibly know that if, he doesn't even know it himself. And so I think that that's why Sinna's approach is so much more helpful to her because he is able to look at Katniss and see like the good things about her immediately because partially just like the nature of people. Like Hamish kind of tends to see the bad in people first. One, because of like his life experience, but also just like that's how some people are. Like you see the bad before you see the good. Whereas Sinna definitely seems to be a person to see the good in people right off the bat and so he sees these parts of Katniss like this spirit and this like drive that she has of her ability to like influence people that she doesn't see and that Hamish maybe on some level sees but it's overshadowed by all the things that he knows to be true about himself that he can see reflected in her and therefore like considers to be negative about her and so when Cinna comes in and is like these are the good things about you. Let those shine through. It's partially just an approach of like, yeah, obviously you're going to respond better to someone saying that they like you and that like you're actually very capable of making people like you. So just go do that. Then someone being like, you are not charming. You have no good qualities. You are not appealing to an audience in any way. Like obviously if you as a person are hearing this, you're not going to be like, responding well to these like direct criticisms like that but I do think that like coming from a perspective of like knowing the entirety of Katniss and Hamish's relationship to each other and how it plays out across three novels you can see things like this early early on between the two of them and it's just something so like Suzanne Collins 
she did so many things so right in this series but like the way that she wrote Katniss and Haymitch in relation to each other as well as individual characters is literally perfection like I could talk about it for hours and days and weeks and months like never ending because it's so perfect um and that's definitely like something that I am always thinking about when I'm reading these books and reading like any moment even not even necessarily like between the two of them but just like individual moments for them and especially like Katniss's internal dialogue as it relates to Hamish and it's a big part of why like I said he is my favorite character because of things like this and because of like the dynamic that they have and the way that that like expands his character it's such a great way to learn about someone like him who is so guarded and is never going to open up about all the horrible things that have happened to him and there is information out there but not necessarily like on what's going on inside his head just on his experiences but if we take it from the perspective of him and Katniss are very similar they respond very similar when they go through these traumatic events we can learn a lot about how he functions through how she functions as a protagonist who has a first person POV throughout three novels. And so we get to see everything that's going on inside of her head, a lot of which she doesn't necessarily understand. Like there's definitely a lot of moments where she's like, this annoys me and I don't really know why and I'm I'm frustrated about it. Or like, I don't really know what to do here. Like it, it makes me feel a certain way and I'm not sure how to respond to that or I'm not sure why things like that because she's 16 and she hasn't had a lot of time to kind of explore like who she is because everything has been about the survival of her family and herself and like literally fighting constantly just to be alive. So she hasn't had a lot of time for like reflection. So when she feels strong emotions that she can't really pinpoint why she feels them, it's just sort of this thing of like, I don't, I don't really get why I'm feeling this way and it's frustrating or it makes me angry or it makes me upset and I don't know how to express that, which not being able to properly process or express emotions is something that Hamish absolutely struggles with. And we see it literally from his earliest pages, his earliest dialogue. So again, by learning that about Katniss, very clearly and explicitly through the text and through like things that are in her internal dialogue and things that she even says aloud we can take those things and sort of apply them to Hamish not like identically like they're not literally the same person but we know enough about him to be able to see like how can this apply to him and what can we learn about his character from this thing that Katniss has said or not so yeah it's just absolutely incredible it speaks to the writing on Katniss on Haymitch. I was talking a lot about Peta and what an incredible character he is earlier. There's just so like obviously the world building and the politics of the series are really well addressed and I think that they're handled very well but it's also like this collection of characters are what really makes the story meaningful and allows it to land in the way that it does with an audience because you need real characters who have real flaws and real strengths and emotions and can connect with readers for a impactful story like this to actually hit in the way that it's supposed to 
And so I think that there has to be a balance between like the politics of it and the setting you're putting yourself in, as well as the characters, especially Katniss, because it is in first person. So therefore she is the person who is delivering this story to readers. And so to have it all be from her eyes is really what makes it so emotional because she starts off the series at 16 years old. By the end, she's like maybe 18. She's a kid for the entire series. And we're seeing this all unfold through her eyes. It has a much bigger impact than it would if it was told just in third person. I think that a lot of the weight of it comes from the fact that it is first person perspective from a teenager. Thanks for joining me this week on Tales of Panem. For those of you reading along with me, next week's episode will be covering chapters 10 through 14 of The Hunger Games. If you have any specific questions or topics you'd like me to cover, you can DM them to me on any social media or send them to my email, which is talesofpanem at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would be very appreciated. Thanks again for listening, and I'll be back next week.